0: Scriptures tonight is John 5, 39, and 40. John five thirty-nine and forty. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me, and ye will not come to me that ye might have life. Good evening and welcome again to our worship service. We're grateful for your presence. We are very thankful for the opportunity to be together tonight to worship God in spirit and in truth. If you're visiting, as always, we encourage you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you may have. We're very thankful for the many opportunities that we have to worship, to study, and to serve in the kingdom of God. Tonight we're going to be thinking about the theme, Do I Really Have To? There are times as parents that probably all of us have ask our children to do a particular task or maybe we've asked them to do something on our behalf and their response has been do I really have to? Well as parents when we ask our children to do something the answer would certainly be yes you have to. But one of the unique things about those of us who comprise the human family is that God has endowed us with the freedom of choice. We have the ability to say yes and no to whatever comes our way. And certainly that is reflected all the way back in the Garden of Eden when God set forth prohibition to the first couple. They were not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said the day you eat thereof you will surely die. Of course the divine record indicates that they transgressed the law of God. They made an unwise decision. But in light of that, there are some things that you and I, we can say no to. On the other hand, there are some things that we have no choice. We simply cannot say no to. So, some things we have the prerogative To not do other things we must do. What about some of the things that we can say no to? First of all, I would suggest that you and I, we don't have to believe in Almighty God. Now there are a lot of people in our world today, especially in this country, that have come to the conclusion that there is no God they would affirm that God does not exist. They are atheistic. And then there are those who are agnostic. And they would simply say, how can we know? We can't prove there is a God, neither can we disprove that there is a God. And yet the Bible says, The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Psalm 14, at verse 1. To those who simply choose not to believe in God, they do so certainly fully aware that we live in a world that has been created or that exists as a result of something or someone. To those that would deny the existence of God, they would say that we are the products of chance or maybe evolution, that maybe we have resulted from some cataclysmic, explosion, and yet the Hebrew writer said, every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. And then the psalmist said, the heavens declare the glory of God, the firmament showeth his handiwork. To those who choose not to believe in God, they do so in light of the abundant testimony for a divine architect, a divine creator in this world. And then there are others that would choose not to believe in Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, you don't have to believe in Jesus Christ. You may say, well, I've heard a lot about Christ, and I believe that Jesus Christ was a good man. Maybe he was a great philosopher or teacher. He was well known in his community, etc. But I simply do not believe in him as the Son of God. Well, that's your choice. You see, you don't have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, granted, there's an abundance of historical evidence that talks about this individual that we call Jesus. You can go back and you can read some of the historical evidence for the Christ But you see, there are a lot of people in our society today. They do not believe in Jesus as the Son of God. He might be a good man, but they certainly would not go so far as to say that he is the divine Son of God. In the passage that was read a moment ago in John 5, verse 39, Jesus said, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think that you have eternal life. They are they which testify of me, but you will not come to me that you might have life. There were individuals in the first century that wanted nothing to do with the Son of God. They would not accept the divine testimony given unto them, and yet you and I, we have to decide, are we going to believe in the Christ, or will we live in disbelief? What you need to understand, though, is that Jesus Christ affirmed his deity. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asked the disciples when he came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say, You're John the Baptist. Some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Then Jesus asked the question, But whom do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus responded by saying, Blessed are you, Simon, For flesh and blood is not revealed unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. So apparently Simon, Simon Peter, as well as other people in the first century, they came to accept the testimony that Jesus was the Christ, the anointed one, the long-awaited Messiah. John tells us in John chapter 1 at verse 14, the word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ was the second member of the Godhead. He tabernacled in human flesh, dwelling among mankind. And yet there are a lot of people that will say they simply do not believe in the Son of God. But Jesus said, except you believe that I am He, you'll die in your sins, John 8, verse 24. But again, bear in mind, you have the the choice, the right, the prerogative to say no. You do not have to believe in the Christ. And then also, I would submit unto you that you don't have to believe in the Bible. That's right. You don't have to believe in this book that we call the Bible. There are a lot of people in our society, particularly in our country today, that will tell you that they do not believe that this is the product of inspiration. Now Paul said, all scripture is inspired of God. That is, it is God-breathed. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. There are some that would have the idea that this book that we call the Bible has been penned by mortal man. that it is the product of man. It did not originate with Almighty God. That it would be on a plane equal to like a Shakespeare. Well, granted, it is a tremendous piece of literature. But it excels every other form of literature. As a matter of fact, it excels, exceeds every other book. But you may say, I don't believe in the Bible. I don't believe in the 39 books of the Old Testament. I don't believe that God inspired those books. Nor do I believe in the 27 books that comprise the New Testament. Peter said, No prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. What Peter is saying is that God's Word did not originate with man. But there are a lot of people that look at the Bible as old-fashioned, archaic, outdated. Just a book that that has existed down through the centuries. There are a lot of people that have done everything within their power to destroy this book that we call the Bible. Maybe they don't like what God said in His Word. But Jesus said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Try as people may, they cannot destroy the word of God. But you say you don't believe in the Bible? That's your right. That's your choice. You don't have to believe in it. You do not have to obey its precepts, which leads us to another thought. And that is, you don't have to obey the gospel. It might be the case that you're here tonight, maybe you've thought about obeying the gospel, maybe others have encouraged you to obey the gospel, and you have steadfastly refused to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, you have that right. No one is going to coerce you to obey the gospel of Christ. We wouldn't want to do that. We're not going to force you to obey what this book says. We're not going to drag you down the aisle and and make you submit to the teaching of the Bible. You say you don't want to obey it? That's your right. That's your prerogative. In Acts chapter 2, we read of those people on Pentecost Day. The apostle Peter had preached the first gospel sermon. He pointed out that the Christ that had been been put to death by the hands of lawless men, that God had raised him from the dead. And he said, we are witnesses to this great event. Verse 36 tells us that those assembled were pricked. They were cut to the heart. And they cried out and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Now there are a lot of people in our world today, they say they believe in Jesus that they want to be a follower of the teaching of the Son of God, but they're not going to submit to New Testament baptism. They're not going to be obedient to the gospel. They have that right. But you need to bear in mind, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. Recently we had someone who responded to one of the television programs, or rather television commercials that we've been airing on Channel 5. One of the commercials that airs has belief plus baptism equals salvation. So an individual emailed us. And interestingly, this person did not see the commercial, but apparently had heard about it. And so their question was, belief plus baptism equals salvation. Are you sure about that? And my response, absolutely, 100% sure about that. Why? Because Jesus said, he that believeth, number one, and is baptized, number two, shall be saved, number three. That's what the Son of God said. That's not my embellishment of what Jesus said. That's not my interpretation of what the Son of God had to say some 2,000 years ago. That's called a quotation. Now, you may say, I don't want to be baptized into Christ. That's your right. You may say that baptism is an outward sign of an inward faith, contrary to what the the Scriptures teach. And that's your right. That's your prerogative. Baptism separates the sinner and the remission of sins. Acts 2, verse 38. The sinner and the washing away of sins. Acts 22, verse 16. But there are any number of people that will tell you, I'm just not going to obey the gospel. And then also, let me just make this observation. You have the right to say, I'm not going to be a member of the church. You have every right to say, I don't want to be a member of the church of Christ. That's your right. There are a lot of people in our world today, they'll tell you, I will not become a member of the church of Jesus Christ. Well, that's our right. And that may be where you are tonight. Maybe you have the idea you're not going to be a member of the church that you read about in the Bible. Of course, you need to, you need to understand that Jesus is the Savior of the body. Ephesians 5, verse 23 you would also do well to understand that Jesus Christ said in Matthew 16, verse 18, I also say unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Jesus established the church. How many churches are there? Well, the Bible says there is one body. In Ephesians 4, at verse 4, "And the body is the church, Ephesians 1, and 23. I remember many years ago, a friend of mine studied with a lady. And at the conclusion of their series of studies, she responded to this particular gentleman's request for her to obey the gospel by saying, I made a deathbed promise to my mother that I would not go into the church of Christ. That's what she said. She had every right to make that statement. Why? Because she was endowed with the freedom of choice. Now, you have that same right. You don't have to be a member of the church. You can say no. You may say, I'm not going to become a member of the church that I read about in the Bible, and that is your choice. It's your prerogative. But then also, there would be some that would say, I don't want to live a holy, righteous, godly life. I don't want to live under the constraints of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, again, you have that right. If you want to drink and smoke and cuss and run with the devil's crowd, let me tell you what, you can do that. That's your prerogative. If you want to go out here and live like the devil, you have every right to do that. But you need to understand, Paul said the grace of God has appeared, bringing bringing salvation to every man, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Now there are a lot of people that will tell you, you know, I might become a Christian if I didn't have to live within the confines of what the Bible teaches. I don't want to live a life of purity. I don't want to live a life of holiness. Well, that's your right. You don't have to live like that if you don't want to. That's your choice. Sometimes I hear individuals, when we talk about the Lord's church, and we stress the importance of New Testament worship and Bible study. And sometimes individuals will ask the question, do I have to attend every worship service? Do I have to come to every Bible study? The answer is no. You don't have to. If you don't want to come to worship, then stay at home. If you don't want to come to Bible study, then stay at home. That's your right. Of course, you need to understand that the Hebrew writer said not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. There are some that they will tell you, I'm not coming back on Sunday night. I'm not coming back on Wednesday night. I'm not coming to Bible study on Sunday morning. Well, they have that right. And they can choose to ignore passages of Scripture like Hebrews 10.25, They can choose to neglect passages like 2 Peter 3, verse 18, where Peter said, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They can ignore passages that state, like John 4, verse 24, God is spirit. They that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Or the words of the psalmist, "Oh come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. You say you don't want to come to worship, you don't want to come to Bible study, that's your right. And then also, while we're talking about some of the things that you don't have to do, let me just also throw this in. You don't have to rear your children in the Lord. If you don't want to teach your children what the Bible has to say, if you don't want to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord per Ephesians 6, verse 4. If you're not interested in their spiritual well-being, if you're not interested where they will spend eternity, then you don't have to rear them in the Lord. That's your right as a parent. You have the the wherewithal, the ability to say, I'm either going to do it or I'm not. You say you're not going to do it. That's your choice. Now, granted, there may be some consequences to that, but that's your choice. We're talking about things that you don't have to do. I'm not advising that you not do these things. I'm just saying you don't have to do them. And there are a lot of people that are not doing them. There are a lot of people that will tell you right up front they're not going to do them. As we think about the home, I might also inject that You don't have to be faithful to your mate. Nor do you have to honor the permanency of marriage. Jesus said in Matthew 19, verse 6, What God has joined together, let not man put asunder. You may choose to ignore that. You may say that you're not going to live in accordance with the will of God concerning marriage. That you're not going to respect the vows that you made to one another before other witnesses and in the presence of God. But guess what? That's your choice. You don't have to do that. I mean, if you want to live like the world, if you want to act like the world, if you want to live like many of those people in Hollywood live, then that's your choice. But now, on the other hand, you see, what we've already discussed, or what we've discussed thus far, are some things that you don't have to do. You can say no to. But on the other side of the coin, the other side of the equation, there are some things that you can't say no to. In other words, you don't have a choice. You don't have any choice in the matter. Now typically, we like to think that we are in the driver's seat that we're in control, that we are the master of our own ship, that we are at the helm. And for the most part, maybe we are, at least from the vantage point of the freedom of choice. But there are some things that you and I have absolutely no say in whatsoever. What are those things? Number one, you can't say no to death. Think about it. Unless Jesus comes during during your lifetime, you can't say no to death. The Hebrew writer said in Hebrews 9 verse 27, it is appointed unto man once to die. After that cometh the judgment." The psalmist talks about the days of our years being threescore and ten, and if by reason of strength, he said, they be fourscore years. In other words, we may live to be 70 or 80 years of age. He said, but it is soon cut off and we fly away. In other words, the human body is going to wear out, fade out, rust out, whatever. But ultimately, death is going to win. That's why the psalmist said, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to fear in Psalm 90 at verse 12. Think about how much money is spent in our nation. Let's just take America. How much money is spent in this country trying to prolong the human life? There are people in our country, in our world, that are doing everything humanly possible to live as long as possible. I don't have a problem with trying to live a long life. I want to live a long life. But the bottom line is this we're not going to beat death. It's not possible. Now, you may say, I'm going to live forever. Well, not in this body, you're not. You may think you are, but the human body ultimately wears out and dies. Just read Ecclesiastes chapter 12, where Solomon talks about the demise, the disintegration of the physical body. And he said, The body returns to the dust from which it was taken, and the spirit to God who gave it. So, you and I, we cannot say no to death. But here's another thing that you and I cannot say no to we can't say no to the resurrection. Think about that. We can't say no to the resurrection. Jesus said in John 5, verse 29, Marvel not. The hour is coming when all that are in the graves shall hear His voice. And what? And come forth. They that have done good to the resurrection of life and they that have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Somebody says, When my body is buried in the ground, it will stay in the ground forevermore. Not so. No, Jesus said that the body that is placed in the, in the bowels of the earth will one day rise again. When will that be? At the last trumpet, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul said, Flesh and blood cannot inherit kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. He said, we shall not all sleep, we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. And this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. The resurrection of the body is a fact. It will one day occur and there's not one thing you and I can do to prevent it. Some years back, there was an interesting article that appeared in the newspaper about vandals that disturbed the grave of Ronnie Van Zant, the former lead singer for Leonard Skynyrd. Authorities stated that although they had tampered with the gravesite, that his physical remains were unharmed. And so I thought it was interesting that his wife took his physical remains and interred them in another location. And in order to prevent what had previously occurred, you know what she did? She planted him in the ground and poured about four feet of concrete on top of his casket. And the idea was so that no one would be would be able to vandalize his grave again. Well, I guess you know from that vantage point, unless unless you, you know, had a crane or you know, went out and w- with some heavy equipment and and dug it up, it'd be tough to get him up. But while it might be difficult for those of us on Earth to retrieve the earthly remains of Ronnie Van Zant. Four feet of concrete will not stop the Son of God from coming again and raising the dead. It is a fact of life. And you and I cannot stop it. Here's another thing we can't stop. We can't say no to the judgment. Think about how many Think about how many events occur in this life and all we have to do is say, No, I'm not going to attend. I'm not going to be present. It might be that you receive an invitation in the mail. Somebody wants you to come to a party or maybe they want you to go somewhere with them and you decline. Well, that's your right. That's your prerogative. Not so with the judgment of God. The Bible says we must all, A-L-L, that's everyone, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may give an account of the deeds done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Somebody says, on the day of judgment, I will refuse to stand in the presence of Almighty God. Well, that may be what you think, but that's not going to happen. You may say, well, I'll take the fifth. I won't say a word. No, the Bible says, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God. You may think you can exclude yourself from the judgment. You may think you're not going to give an account of the deeds done in your body. You may think that you're not going to have to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and confess Him before all of humanity, but the Bible says you will. I think sometimes we have the idea that we can step out into eternity and then we're at liberty to just do as we please. That's not the case. The Bible talks about the judgment. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, in light of the judgment to come, the Apostle Paul said, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we what? We persuade men. I think about the words of the Hebrew writer when he acknowledged centuries ago, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. In other words, it is a thing fearful beyond belief to die unprepared to meet Almighty God. So we're not going to say no to the judgment. And then finally, we're not going to say no concerning our eternal destinies. Once we step out into eternity, that eternal destiny, that eternal state is sealed forevermore. In Matthew 25, verse 46, Jesus said, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment, talking about the wicked, those on the left hand, the goats. The righteous into life everlasting, a contrast there. Can you imagine stepping out into eternity unprepared to meet God? Doomed forevermore to spend eternity in a place called hell, Gehenna, did you know that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels? Think about this. Hell is a place for the hopeless. It is a place for the helpless. It is a place for the godless. And that's where you'll be forevermore if you don't obey the gospel. And there's nothing you can do to change that once you step out into eternity. On the other hand, if you obey the gospel of Jesus Christ and you live faithfully for the Son of God until death or until he comes again, the promise is life everlasting. The promise is the crown of life. And you'll spend eternity in heaven with the Lord. And you'll be there forevermore. In that city where there's no more death, nor tears, nor crying, nor pain, nor sorrow, all these things have passed away. Nothing can touch you. And nothing can rob you of that eternal destiny. You see, once you step out into eternity and once your state is sealed, you can't say no. I think about people that are in eternity tonight. But if they only had one chance, they'd change. But they can't do it. There are some things we just can't do. Read Luke 16, The Rich Man and Lazarus. I close by saying this. As long as there is life in the human body and as long as you have the mental capacity, you can make choices in this life. Hopefully and prayerfully, you make the right choices in life. Hopefully and prayerfully, you are like the wise man that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 7 and not like the foolish man. Wise people hear what this book says and guess what? They do it. Foolish people hear what this book says and ignore it. Do I really have to? Well, with regard to some things, no, you don't have to. You don't have to obey the gospel tonight. I would encourage you to do that. I would strongly recommend that you obey the gospel of Jesus Christ this hour because the Bible says today is the day of salvation and tomorrow may be too late. What would you need to do? You need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, John 8, verse 24. Repent of your sins, Luke 13, 3. Confess His name before others, Matthew 10, verse 32. Be immersed in water for forgiveness, Acts 2, verse 38. Be faithful till death, Revelation 2, at verse 10. If you're here tonight and you're not faithful to the cause of Christ, you might be thinking right now, I don't have to be restored. And That's right, you don't have to. We can't make you. We certainly plead with you. We want to persuade you, but we can't make you come back to the Lord. But you need to understand, someday will be too late. So I would strongly recommend that if you're unfaithful to the cause of Christ, you make things right this very hour, as in now. Do it today. James said that life is like a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Where will you spend eternity? What we've talked about tonight all revolves around eternity. The most important thing, eternity. Not what's going on in this life, but what is going on in our spiritual life. If you need to respond, do so as we stand and sing.